Bonsoir, Elliot. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Bonsoir, Elliot, our Mr. Robot podcast. I'm Alex. With me, as always, is Josh. This week, we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 12, Python, Part 2. If you haven't seen it, stop now, go watch it, then come back. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers. All right, uh, so I want to start off this episode by uh, congratulating Rami Malek on uh, winning the Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama. Uh, I think it's awesome that uh, you know this show is winning awards already and, and Rami got his first Emmy. Um, and so that's uh, really awesome, and I was, I was pretty happy to see it. And I obviously love the show, so... Uh, as do you, yeah. Josh. Uh, I do. So, so, Josh, what did you think of this episode? Wow. Uh, it was something else. Um, you want to get started with uh, maybe Joanna? And, yeah. Uh, and then we'll yeah. go from there. So, uh, Joanna's storyline here had a nice, tidy little arc, I think. You get to, if things basically wrapped up within two small scenes, um, we find out that Scott Knowles was the one. Uh, sending the gifts uh, to uh, to her house. And they go back and forth a little bit, and it's basically because he's describing what he thought was the best day ever. So he, he learns he's going to be CTO, the biggest company in the world. And then, um, but you know, before the party to celebrate that evening, they need to go to a doctor's appointment. They find out that Sharon is pregnant. And they weren't sure whether they were happy or sad until they saw the sonogram. And then they were both pretty happy. And so when he loses his wife, you know, it sends him into a pretty dark place because we're just now learning he lost both his wife and an unborn child. So he hits her with this, this quote that's, you know, I wanted to give you hope that I could step on. And man, <laughs> <laughs> it that just, was crushing. Uh, that was super <laughs> crushing because he's like, he's falling apart kind of while he's saying this. You know, yeah. I, I don't believe him to be a terrible person, right? Um, I think right. he's just an average everyday corporate type person, maybe, you know, that's climbing the corporate ladder. And I don't really get the feel from him that he is evil right he was like being a dick to tyrell like you know here's my watch it's worth more than that shitty apartment you live in and like they live in a nice apartment right and uh but that's a little that's just you know a pissing contest but at the end of the day i really don't think that he is a terrible person until she she hits him back with this i hope you rot in hell like your wife Fuck her and her fetus corpse. Yeah, dude, this was like, this was insane. So I thought like, first of all, um, the re this reveal for uh, Scott Knowles, like I thought that was really well executed because I, until this point, just assumed that it was Tyrell. Yeah, I didn't see it coming um, at all. It was great. So it was, it was pretty good. But this whole exchange between the two of them played out really well too because, you know, she starts egging him on. Well, yeah. I have to believe because she is a calculating person that this is what she planned to happen. Right. She wanted right? to push him over the edge. She wanted to push him over the edge. Um, and, you know, she says to him, like, uh, no wonder she was going to cheat on you. 
um you know she finds out she's pre- she's pregnant and the first thing she's going to do is fuck my husband's brains out uh, <laughs> and she, you know she says he's weak and pathetic and then he just goes like straight up bobby brown on her ass <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's yeah, like he, it's a pretty brutal scene yeah. to watch you know it, that scene like at first at first he was like strangling her and I thought like maybe it's going to be a parallel, right? Yeah. Like maybe this is going somewhere different. And then like he starts punching her and I was like, holy shit. Right. Like I kind of took... expected like, uh, you know, Terminator bodyguard to rush in and just cap him. But that's why it makes me think that like this was calculated. Yeah. You cause, know? cause what she does then, um, she goes like afterwards, you know, Scott calls the cops. Well, or yeah, I, I do want to call out that, you know, he did catch himself and he's yeah. like, you know, what the hell am I doing basically? And does the right thing at that point yeah. and, and calls 911. We don't know whether he was arrested right. or not we have no idea. as part of that. So, um, and then we get jo- Joanna's second scene um, where, you know, the theory that we called out last week um turns out to be you know have some ground right so um you know her boyfriend you know is serious about wanting revenge and so she starts coaching him into framing scott for the murder of his wife and says like this is how we win and this is how we punish him um and that's again the the way she's saying that she's looking at him and she's got him wrapped around her finger and she knows she's going to get what she wants yeah, is, you know the the same thing she says to Elliot. Like, you know, I'm the kind of person that always get gets what they want. But yeah, it's pretty. She, cr- it's like pretty crushing. Like, <laughs> she's very calculating, just in the, in the show in general. And this is, it's, it's going to be kind of cool to see where this goes because she's trying to basically clear Tyrell of this charge, right? But Tyrell right. still has... He's still got the, the hacking charge against yeah. him, right? Like, they're still wanting him in, in conjunction with the hack, so... I think she's trying to get her his severance because she's running out of money, which they That's said true, yeah. That, that was, back. Yeah. So that could be one of her motives. But she also just wants to make this guy pay who, you know, beat her husband at something. And like clearly, she cares more about Tyrell than she was letting on. You know, she yeah. was she was I think being providing criticism to Tyrell harshly to push him into doing more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So uh, and uh, he what was interesting. Um, and I know we're going to get into this, but while we're talking about Joanna, right. uh, like she told. Elliot, like he always does what's necessary, and he, and he used, has that. He used that same exact same phrase line. later. Yeah, yeah. I I really enjoyed that. I had that under underlined in my notes. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that wrapped up Joanna's story arc this season pretty well, or at least not wrapped it up, but it put it in a place where I was comfortable with it. Um, the way it ended, and so we can start getting some plot movement there in season three. Um, the whole thing was pretty brutal. Um, yeah, but it, it comes, I walk away from that thinking that's exactly what she wanted to happen. Yeah. She wanted to set him up and she, you know, the assault was, is probably a bonus, right? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so do we want to talk about uh, Dom and Darlene? We find out that Darlene is, in fact, alive. She didn't die. She's being questioned by Dom. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. Uh, so she goes, you know, Fifth Amendment right out of the gate hard, Yeah. right? And then, uh, you know, Dom's counterpart there goes, like, <laughs> pulls the Patriot Act card. It's like... <laughs> And then I love this line because it's like another, it's a nod to USA. Like, this isn't burn notice. There's no Dude. blue sky for you. <laughs> I loved that they mentioned burn notice because in this show, in our podcast, in the first episode, I talked, we, like we talked about how this show is not like any of USA's other shows. And we, we specifically made fun of burn notice in that right. episode. And then they made fun of it in their own show. So it was like, yeah. I'm not saying that they listened to Bonsoir Elliot, but you know, Rami hit us up, you know, <laughs> come on the show. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And then, you know, they look at her as an enemy combatant. And so she doesn't have any rights, whether that's true or not. We don't know. Um, so Dom finally, you know, ushers him out of the room and says like to, to Darlene, you know, by the end of the day, we're going to be best friends. And they're they're kind of doing this whole back and forth, like, you know, you know, I'm a stone cold hard, you know, girl, and and you're a stone cold stone cold hard girl, and you know, they're going back and forth and back and forth. The exchange was really uh, interesting until they got to the part where like all these people identified you as the leader, and that's when you start to see Darlene, like some of the edges start to kind of be torn or cracked. She's like, you know, trust me, I'm no leader, right? Right. And then I think I felt for her more right here, like at this exact point than any other time in the show when she says like, I know you're trying to take advantage that I just lost prob what was probably the love of my life. And like, you feel yeah, that was a really, you, I feel really bad because <laughs> yeah. like, you know, they, like he proposed to her in season one and, and she's probably, you know, she's got commitment issues or whatever. And yeah, it, I just felt bad for her. <laughs> it was, that was, this was really rough to kind of listen to. Um, just because her character up until now, and even in the last episode, um, or not the last episode, the episode before last, uh, you know, she's telling this story about Elliot and like, like we commented though, or at least I commented that I thought that like, that's the exact speech you give right before you get offed in a right. television show. Um, so we know that she's got a lot of, uh, a lot of issues that she's trying to work out. And this, this scene was great for building up her character and moving it a little bit further. I also thought it was good that, uh, you know, also kind of tangentially to this whole sequence of events, Dom is telling her supervisor, like, I know her, like I, I am her, her right? Yeah. That line is really interesting because they're both incredibly alone and depressed and like, you know, they're not, it's easy to see that they are the same person that just made, that had different, like a divergence. Yeah, you know? I mean, we commented about that, you know, in the in the last episode too, about how you can have two people and the same event happens to them and they just go two different ways. And like we were talking about with it, within regards to, you know, Elliot and Dom, but yeah, it, the parallel between Darlene and Dom is also there too. Yeah, for sure. So it's, it's pretty good. You know, that 
And then she, you know, she realizes she kind of let her guard down a little bit with that. And she hits the, uh, you're not going to get anything me. So why don't you go and read your manual and find the chapter in conniving cunts that don't give a fuck about you or your feelings and come back to me with some real <laughs> tactics. And if you want any other details, the answer is suck a dick. <laughs> yeah, she, she, Darlene does kind of try to take control of the situation. And Dom, what's interesting is that like, you know, Dom brings in the camera and says, we're going to find your prints on all this stuff. And uh, she says, well, yeah, if you're the mask, yeah, yeah. Like if you're think if you're like trying to figure out F society, it sounds like the person that you want to talk to is dead. dead. Like, okay. Um, and me and Cisco just make freaky sex tapes all the time. And like, <laughs> she's very much like running into there in that room, just like trying to be as, as antagonistic as possible, which oh, is why absolutely. it's, yeah. Which is why it's really interesting when, you know, Dom says, you know, just, I, I think you're important. Come with me, you know? Yeah. And then, so, well, I mean, you know, you, you see the scene in the hallway in between, you know, the freaky shit comment basically um, where they're talking about like throwing the book at her or letting somebody else interview her. And that's when Dom makes the, you know, I am her, we got to show her we're smarter and that we're worthy. Um, right. Yeah. You know, that leads are closing. People are dying. Something big is about to happen. Um, and then, you know, Dom has this kind of, you know, open, open moment with her. Like I've only gotten so far with this case because like, I don't have a life and it's the only thing I've been able to think about. Um, and then Darlene pulls, I think what you were getting to is the, you know, neither you or I are special and I've already learned that lesson. Yeah. Um, and then that's when you see a little bit of a character shift, I think. Yeah. Right. So, so like she takes her on the walk. Right. And the, so I want to comment like I, this entire scene is, is good too for like the development, but I want to comment about the song that plays um, while they're walking to the, the like case room where she's going to show her like this, this bulletin board of everybody sort of laid out. Uh, the song is by Amy Mann. It's called the moth. Um, and like the lyrics are really, uh, they match almost perfectly what's going on in the scene. Um, yeah. and I, we always talk about how the music, music is on point, but this song was really good. Um, and then they, they, like, she's walking through like all these FBI agents and she's the moth, you know, that's like fighting the flames. It is really, really good. Yeah. Um, but I thought the, the, the scene where they walk in and Dom is explaining how they've been tackling the five, nine attack, like how they've been going about it. Like we knew we just had to, to lay low and, and kind of wait for something like wait for the break. We needed to like give, like give you guys space and they call it the Python approach, which is where the name of the episode comes, comes from. And we find out that, uh, you know, they've been watching all this stuff. And then when uh, Rome gets Romero, Romero gets uh, Shot, killed, yeah. they all scatter. So that like sort of threw a wrench in, in Dom's plans, but apparently they've been watching all of these people from the beginning. They Yeah. I mean, they were watching some subset of them, but their reaction yeah. after, you know, Romero died kind of cemented that they were looking at the right people i think right it, yeah it really the timing of it is terrible 
um, when you consider that it was a stray bullet that killed him, like it was an accident. Yeah, that's that was the interesting revelation is that Dom says, you know, you guys thought it was all Dark Army and it, it was, you know, a stray bullet from a neighbor, right. which I thought was a little suspect. Like, are I, people yeah, in, I don't know that I trust that entirely. Like, are people in New York City just shooting no. sh- shooting bullets into their neighbor's yards? <laughs> it's pretty hard to get a license for, you know, a handgun in New York City. Um, the license to carry one is hard. Um, so, but the thing that I find suspect about it, that is, you know, we know that Romero had documents on operation Berenstain and that was the first time that that was brought up is whenever you see that, you know, Berenstain and you know, all the references to it. So like, how did Romero come across them? You know, that's an unanswered question. Right. Uh, or how did he know to look for them or whatever? This, this is interesting because before Dom said that it was a stray bullet that killed Romero, mm-hmm. I thought she was implying that he was taken out by their team or by someone in conjunction with their team. Because the way she said it was what she said we just had to lay back and wait and watch you guys. And then, you know, Romero, when Romero died, you guys like just flocked. And it almost seemed like that was a planned thing. Um, But then she says like, it was a straight bullet. And I was like, okay, but like, we don't know. I don't know if we can trust that or not, but yeah, it was interesting. Nonetheless, Um, the really, I think the cool thing about this scene too is when you're looking at that whiteboard with all the data and all the, the crossed lines between the relations and the groups and who the people in the middle are, it kind of retells the story. Like, yeah, season one to current, like you start to see all these faces and, you know, Shayla's Shayla was up on the board and uh, dark army is on the board and the F society militants are on the board. And um, you see Tyrell square in the center with Elliot right underneath him. And, you know, I was kind of pegging the FBI as like, other than Dom, as like these dopey dumbasses, but they kind of have most of the picture, right? Right, yeah. The, so, only, the only people aren't on that board are Price and White Rose. Right. So this is interesting because, um, and I know we're, we're probably going to talk later about what we thought of this episode and the season in general, but... I thought this was the big reveal of the entire episode for me was that the FBI has been kind of aware of everything that's going on. Like they're not totally there, but they know enough and they have been watching since the beginning. So like they, they've got a lot of it pieced together. I think the the big questions that they don't have answered is how is the dark army involved and what is the Chinese government's connection to it all? Right. Like that's Dom knows that they're involved. Yeah. Um, and you know they have the dark army on the board, so it's clear that they know they're involved. How far the dark army reaches into the Chinese government, they don't know. But you know they've started to kind of piece it together. Yeah. So it was it was really good. I think that was probably my favorite scene from from the episode. Yeah, I, I agree. I also. I thought it was interesting because I thought the look on Darlene's face when she sees the board is 
that she realizes that they know a lot more. Right. Than, but and the funny thing is, it's like Dom took her there as a way to say, yeah, you're special. You're in the middle of, you know, this huge event of, yeah. you know, of our century or of our time. And, uh, but it was also to demonstrate that the FBI was smarter than, than Darlene was right. Cause well, that's what she said. We have to yeah. show them that we're smart. We have yeah. to win her. Like, yeah. Cause her, her supervisor says like, she thinks she's smarter than us. And Dom says, cause up until now she has been right. You know? Um, so I, I really want to see where that's going to go and how that's going to play out. And I'm sure we'll get tons of, of stuff next season to kind of flesh that out. Well, remember, uh, you know, last last podcast I mentioned, you know, do you think someone will flip? <clears throat> and if so, who would that be? I think you've seen your prime candidate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Darlene. Right. Um, Absolutely Dar- the prime candidate. Or, I mean, there's still – I'm still holding on hope that Dom will switch sides, but <laughs> – Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get into Elliot and Tyrell. I think that's the last uh, big story arc of the of the episode. Um, yeah. So this was a little. This story arc was disappointing to me a little bit because it didn't cover nearly as much ground as I was expecting. Um, no, it really didn't. It feels like it took most of the episode to do something they could have done very quickly. Yeah. Um, I well, do want to call out though, like right at the beginning of it, and you're seeing that recreation of. Um, Elliot or you know Mr. Robot in Tyrell's conversation at Coney Island. Yeah, Rami did a fantastic job being Christian Slater there. Yeah, he did. He, so he, somebody he nailed it. <laughs> so somebody on Reddit posted the two scenes side by side. Yeah. Oh, and really? That that video it's awesome because it it is like he did such a good job you and the I, mannerisms and the yeah. the little you know the yeah. voice the voice cues and things like that, like perfect. It was so good. Yeah. I'll, I'll post the link in the show notes. It's, it's really good to watch because it, it, you, you see just how like Rami Malek is very talented. Um, yeah. He does a very good job. But uh, you know, they start having that argument, right? And this is a, an argument they had in season one. Um, and right. You know, he's like, you're not seeing it. Um, and then, Elliot says, you're only seeing what's in front of you, not what, not what's above you. And then you finally kind of get where the red wheelbarrow quote comes from. And it's, it's the poem that a lot of people were saying that they thought it was, um, you know, back at the beginning when we saw red wheelbarrow on Elliot's notebook. Um, but really you just kind of find out that it's to Tyrell. It's a reminder that he never wanted to be his father. Um, and that's kind of a theme uh, for other characters too, like, right. uh, you know, Elliot admired his father up until he probably, he got thrown out that window. Right. Um, and Darlene admired him, you know, to some extent, but it also looked like the, their mother was abusive and like, he didn't really stop that. Um, right. And, you know, like, relationships with parents is a theme in the show. So like Angela's relationship with her, um, her father and her deceased mother. Um, it's just kind of going on there. So it's interesting that Tyrell has taken the approach. It's just, you know, I never wanted to be this simpleton who could barely speak English. Um, 
but then then we get to start start getting a, a view of what stage two is right um yeah you go into this you know building that's really hasn't been kept up they see a guy with a clean suit um you know eating lunch from a red, red wheelbarrow barbecue um a bag in his hand so i have questions there like what else is going on in that building that he needed to be in a clean suit for? We, right. We didn't yeah. See anything, right? That yeah. some servers in a dirty room. So this is really a part of the episode, and, and I know we're going to get into things that we didn't like, but I kind of I feel like while we're talking about Ellie and Tyrell, this is the section of the episode that I had hoped for the most development and most forward movement and most sort of action. This is one of those things where on the face of it, what stage two is, or at least what we've been told stage two is, doesn't seem that grand of a plan. And so like, it's like, oh, they're going to bring the paper records back and we're going to burn them and then they'll never be able to recover. And okay, yeah, that makes sense, whatever. Well, I mean, stage two was originally meant to be more grand, right? They had them in seven different facilities and we were going to have to, you know, take them out separately. And it's like, oh, now they're bringing them all in. Right. Which also shows that E Corp had this backup method all along. And what right. they wanted to do was get their agenda pushed forward because the country would be desperate. Right. And then yeah. whenever, when everything was desperate, it's like, surprise, we had all the documents all along. Yeah, you know? it's, it's very much plots within plots, right? Because like right. this whole thing, whatever's happening at the Washington Township plant, which is something that I had kind of hoped would tie into this whole thing. Yes. And it didn't. Like, that didn't happen. Um, whatever's going on there with White Rose feeds into whatever Price wants, feeds into whatever, like, you know, all of this stuff is, is, you know, we're led to believe connected. But nothing, none of that stuff was given to us. We, it's just all unanswered questions. No. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, the interesting thing is, is like, if you look on – Maybe Reddit, right? Um, all the negative comments like are downvoted straight to hell, man. It's um, and they weren't even negative; they were just, you know, somebody's opinion. Like, man, this episode really, really didn't do it for me, and this is why. And that stuff's just not seeing the light of day there, which you know is great because there's fans that are just blocking that because you know it is a great show. But at the same time, like if that criticism does not see the light of day, no one can learn from it. Right. Um, and so, so yeah. So like, I think we can kind of move move along. We know what the stage two plan is. They're going to burn up all these paper records. They're basically going to blow up the building. Yeah, um, they're going to use the battery backups um, because they've become a necessity because of all the brownouts and and blackouts which again shows that that has to be part of the plan as well, right? To make a, right. a whole building have battery backups and things like that in that, in that way. And they're just going to do like a firmware update that's apparently going to cause the cells to overcharge and fill the room with hydrogen and all the environmental controls in the room aren't going to work anymore and they're going to overload some transformer and that part was starting to get a little... Uh, They're just going to throw a Galaxy Note 7 into the building. And right, then... yeah. They should have just shipped them a <laughs> truck full of Galaxy Note 7s. Um, because I don't... Th- 
like they're talking about the whole building crumbling. And, and we mentioned that a couple episodes back where Elliot has this dream of the E-Corp building crumbling in the background, right? And is that oh, stage two? So that, that theory was yeah. right, right? So, and we, and we called that out that, you know, some people thought that and we didn't really care either way. But it turned out that that was, you know, the, the correct. I don't really think that overloading a bunch of battery backups would demolish an entire building. Yeah, I, I, so I don't find it plausible. Like from a, an electrical standpoint, yeah, you could start a couple fires. I don't yeah. think you would actually cause a whole building to explode. But we know Mr. Robot's okay with blowing up buildings because that's what yeah, he wanted, he wanted to do. Yeah, he wanted to do that in season plan. one. Yeah, in season one. So who uh, knows wanna, if there's not more stuff in that building, right? Yeah, I want to talk about Elliot and Mr. Robot. When Mr. Robot is saying, like, all of this is you, right? Like, yeah, I made these decisions and I did all this stuff, but, like, I'm you. This is what you wanted. This is what I wanted, too. Right. Um, I, I kind of think that that scene of Elliot and like, what does he want and what's his, what does he want his life to be like? That's like bleed over of the two personalities. Um, so I don't know. It, it's on the one hand, it's good that we know what stage two is. And this is an interesting plan. On the other hand, it took us an awfully long time. Well, they were hyping it up to be something amazing. Yeah. And it's a battery explosion. Yeah. So the other thing that happens is that Elliot realizes that, um, you know, this plan is going to kill people, right? Because they're going to blow up the building. There will be people in the building because it's an E-Corp building. It's not like it's ever going to be empty. Um, well, their first plan killed people. Yeah. Like if, if you don't think people didn't die as a result of – living in filth because garbage isn't being taken away, having no access to money, having no access to food because you don't have access to money or yeah. water or transportation or my job got shut down because the economy is in shambles. You know, I would have to believe that people have died because of that. And then if you take into the fact, uh, you know, all the brownouts and blackouts, I'm sure there's been car accidents um, you know, hospitals and stuff like that typically have generators, so not too much to worry there. But, you know, that stuff can't run forever either. So yeah. I'm pretty sure stage one killed people. So, you know, either he's not acknowledging that guilt or he's already grown past it. But um, I think they have to kind of get on board there. Like, he doesn't know about Susan Jacobs, right? But No, he doesn't. Um, you know, it's – they're at war, and, and sometimes in war, you have to kill your enemy, right? Right. So Elliot's going to shut the whole thing down, though, because he doesn't want people to die. But that, the thing there is that he shut down stage one, too. Right. Right? Like, he shut that down. He said, we're not doing this. And then it was only after, you know, Tyrell came to see him that he took Tyrell in and, and did this whole thing. Right. Um, and that, he doesn't remember that. That was clearly Mr. Robot. So he tries to, to shut down stage two again. And this time, you know, Mr. Robot is kind of ready for him. He's got Tyrell sort of primed. He gave him a gun. Tyrell Told pulls his gun. Stop anyone that does it, including us, you know. Yeah. Um, Tyrell is in tears as he's aiming the gun at Elliot. And Elliot doesn't even believe that any of this is real. He thinks he's hallucinating the whole thing. Right, which is, you so, know, I think that's a great 
call out to all the conspiracy theorists that watch the show though like yeah <laughs> uh, tyrell is just a part of his personality he's not a real person he's not there the cab driver didn't see him you know all that stuff yeah. and i'm like yeah well you know, he's bleeding <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, th- that was really well played i thought too just the way that they said like no tyrell is a real person yeah um, i mean it's like that fool me once kind of logic right so like they fooled him once with the whole mr robot reveal i would hope that they wouldn't you know fool the audience twice yeah yeah uh so elliot thinks that this is all fake he thinks tyrell isn't real doesn't have a gun he's gonna be fine um and tyrell shoots elliot and elliot realizes that this is real right and then Mr. Robot says, when you asked what going all the way meant, this is what it meant. I wasn't going to let anybody stop this, not even you. Not even us. Or not even, not even yeah. us. It's interesting, too, because especially after how this is like almost religious for Tyrell, right? So he's talking the whole time about like, this is Mount Olympus, and we're, we were supposed to be gods together, and I'm doing what's necessary and, and all this stuff. And – you know, before in, in season one, remember when he's talking to Joanna, he says, like, I was talking to this young tech and I saw God, right? Right. So it's like this, and this he is even a- says the same thing right. in that scene where we, he says something akin to we weren't looking at what's above us. So right. Like, well, he was yeah. saying, like, we were supposed to be God, become gods together. Right. Yeah. And so, like, you understand kind of where Tyrell's head is at where you know maybe he feels like judas right like he gave you know he gave up somebody who he thought was god or injured somebody some who he thought was god he's clearly got fucking problems but uh as um, does everybody in the show you know and I, like Cordy I, the fish is the only one that doesn't have problems and even then <laughs> He, he complains in that one episode like i'm stuck in a fishbowl why don't you move me by the window yeah I mean, the, the fish has legitimate complaints, all right? Yes. Yeah. Like, I want to be next to a window. Do not, do not put me in a fishbowl on, like, in the middle of your fucking house. I can Don't see do it. your webcam. You're right next to a window. I am. There's a window right there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so it, it harkens back to the, the line from season one that's we're all living in each other's psychoses, right? So Right, yeah, and then, like... Uh, I think the really cool part here is they finally close the leap, the loop on control is an illusion. And he's like, it's time to take back control, real control. And I'm like, yo fam, control is a nine mil to the gut. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the thing there is that it proves that Mr. Robot has been in control the whole time, the whole right? Time. Because Elliot's trying to take back control and in trying to take back control, he finds out that Mr. Robot is planned for this contingency. Right. And it, the, the part there is interesting is like, you know, they, they come together after the chess match and after the beating and the, you know, the nineties throwback hallucination scene, um, they come together thinking like we're united and, you know, we're working together finally and, you know, uh, things are going to be different. And it was really just to pacify Elliot. So Mr. Robot could push his agenda. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was so he could get out of prison and, and keep moving on. Did you think there was any significance to 
after Elliot got shot, um, Mr. Robot being missing from frames of the show. I did. Flicking out, you know? Yeah, so I noticed that. Like a reverse Um, fight club. It hearkened to fight club. That's exactly what I thought about when it happened. Um, I thought that... I, I don't know how much to read into it because I, I did think that it would, there was some significance there, but I don't know if the significance was just to show us that Tyrell is in fact real and that this isn't in Elliot's head right. or if the significance was that as Elliot's understanding the world, Mr. Robot becomes less important. Like, I don't know if, if I don't know if it has as much importance as, you know, being plot altering or life altering for Elliot in some way, or if it was just like to illustrate the fact that Tyrell is real and what's happening is real. And it's not in Elliot's head. Yeah. There's an interesting uh, interview in, on variety.com with Sam Esmail. And he confirms that Tyrell is indeed real. Um, you know, as most people would have taken away from that episode. Right. Um, but yeah. And then, so we can transition to, this phone call between Angela and Tyrell. Yeah. She's like, are you with him? And he's like, yeah, I'm with him. I love him. She's like, I do too. And that makes me think, why the fuck didn't we get a scene with white Rose and Angela? like seeing what happened in the rest of that 28 minutes. Yeah. That earned Angela's belief. This, that to me is the biggest unanswered question for me. And I don't know why we didn't see it. I don't know why, like whatever happened that turned Angela to the side of the dark army. Like she now clearly knows Tyrell, like clearly knows that he's involved. Is him by his first name, Tyrell. Yeah. Not Mr. Wellick. Like she did in season one when she was working at all safe. So she knows he's involved knows what's going on. I mean, we have to... And she's okay with what's going yeah. on. Because she said you did what you had to do. Right. Like... And she... What? The interesting thing is, like, of all the people involved, I'm pretty sure White Rose knows about Elliot's duality. It's like, White Rose especially having, you know, his or her own duality, which is perfectly fine. Um, I think it adds a, a tremendous layer to the show. Understands that Elliot had that Angela knows for a fact that he talks to his dead father. Tyrell yeah. did not. Right. So and, that's another layer of complexity. And we're kind of led to believe that, you know, Angela now knows what's going on. Like she has to know the whole plan at this point. That's, you know, right. what we're led to believe by the end. Um, I thought it was a really great, scene to kind of let us know what Tyrell really thinks. We now know for a fact that Tyrell is all in on this mission. Right. Um, it's not just a ploy to get back at E Corp. It's not just. It, like I said, it's a, it's a religious thing for yeah, him at this it's, point. It's absolutely a religious thing for him. Um, and we know that Angela knows pretty much everything that's going on. Uh, so I thought that it was a great scene to add. I really am. Like you said, I think you know, if if Elliot and Tyrell's story was only going to give us the answers that they gave us, I have to imagine they could have cut some of those minutes to give us more of of Angela and White Rose because that would have been more interesting I to see. Really liked it. 
Um, one thing though, the thing that ends their phone call is the power going out fully, not a brownout, a blackout. Yeah. Um, and you know, that we've got tonight is playing in the background and it's, it's a great, you know, lead into the credits. The power fully going out is interesting. Do you think that's the start of the hack? I think so possibly I still think that the Washington Township plant and I still think that all that stuff is somehow connected to the stage two. Like I I don't know and you know I like we've made predictions on this show. We're kind of talking about possible predictions, but I like I hesitate to make a prediction about what's going on there because we have so little to go on. Yeah, we like know it. We know that it's on. nuclear in nature. Right. We don't know if it's a power plant or where they're producing nuclear stuff for other power plants or for weapons or or or. Right. Yeah. We just don't know. Hell, the nuclear thing could be a front, and something else entirely could be going on. Right. Yeah. Um. You you just don't know. They could be making iPhone sevens with headphone jacks there. <laughs> that's a revolution worth fighting for and the dark army would make a pretty penny off of that Um, Um, yeah so we we, we don't have enough information to go on and so I hesitate to make a a thing there but one of the things that I think we are being led to believe is that Elliot and White Rose are teamed up against E-Corp and I think that at this point White Rose is playing Philip Price to get to this eventual end Uh, well probably yeah. yeah like well, especially when you consider that the bailout or the loan, the no interest loan, came from the Chinese government that White Rose is involved in, right? Right. And yeah. we don't know how far the Dark Army affiliation goes up in the Chinese uh, government, right? Well, he's end, a pretty high official. He's pretty he's high a- official, but we don't know if it goes any further up, right? Right. I would imagine maybe it does, but uh, – Pretty interesting. Um, you know, we didn't find anything else about like why they wanted control of the Congo, you know, things yeah. like that. So there's a lot of unanswered questions, and we'll get to come some of that um, at the end here. But uh, let's talk about that that post credit scene or mid credit scene. Yeah. So the the mid credit scene is uh, it's with Trenton and Mobley, um, and they're in they're Arizona. working <laughs> they're in Arizona. They're working at a Fry's Electronics. Um, I didn't even know there were still Fry's Electronics around. It's a Western thing. We're on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, I guess you're not anymore. I'm not on the uh, – yeah. Fox I used trader. to be on the East Coast. Trader. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I just, wanted to, I just wanted to, like, learn how to lasso and stuff. Um, so they're talking about it. Trenton is trying to get Mobley to, to do – you know, to look at this thing that she's found, where she says that they are able – she may have found a way to generate the keys, which – we, she doesn't say specifically, but we know that they can undo whatever they can undo the five nine attack if they can do the if what she found works. Right. So they're going to be able to generate the keys. They they're having this discussion. Mobley wants nothing to do with it. Um, apparently, Mobley's friend was walking in on Trent in the bathroom. Yeah, well, they're living together to kind of try to offset costs. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And they're um, probably not making a whole lot of money, you know, yeah. in terms of. Working at Fry's Electronics. Well, I mean, it's not—it's not a 
bad job by any means. It's just, it's, you know, typically doesn't, you're going to have to have roommates, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, I thought the scene was, was cool. It did kind of feel a lot like the scene, the, the post credit scene from season one. They, See, if I, have, I have issues with it. Like by the, the means of the attack in season one, the way that they did it, it's, you know, kind of like ransomware. You see on the screen where it says deleting keys. Yeah. That would be pretty weak if Elliot had left that susceptible to a key being generated to unencrypt that stuff. Especially Unless, especially when we know that there's paper records, right? Right. Unless um, Elliot's – like unless one of two things. Elliot deliberately left the back door and Trenton found it. Or like he made the, a backup of the key or something. Or he made a backup of the key. Or there's like some kind of like, I, I don't even know, like some kind of attack on the encryption algorithm itself. Um, uh, well, like, I'm not going to thrash any government entities, but uh, somehow like where the random number generators and certain pieces of software aren't really all that random. Right, yeah. So so right. maybe maybe there's something there. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was a little bit weak, but... The the big thing there is that Leon shows up at the end of that scene, and that's the cliffhanger. Right. Is, you know, Leon asks them for the time. Now, my question to you, is he there as a protector, as a warning, or as an assassin? I would say he's there as reconnaissance. Okay. Like, I, I think he's there to kind of find them and figure out what's going on. Because, like, at this point, the Dark Army knows that they ran. Right. Um, and there's, that, there's the, the comment after Elliot gets out of prison, did he ask about the, about the boy and the girl, which we always thought meant Trenton and Mobley. Right. And maybe that's what's going on here, is they're trying to find out what's going on. Yeah, and, because, I mean, they don't want it reverted. Right, yeah, for, imagine, for sure. Right? It's yeah. been orchestrated from the beginning. So that leaves us with questions are, you know, are they even going to be alive at the beginning of season three? Yeah. You know, Leon doesn't have an issue with killing people. Right. Off, like for four sure. or five guys in that one so scene. The big thing there is that we don't know, like we know that they got there. We don't know how they got there because the last we heard of them, they had just like disappeared. Right. Right. Um, well, the last we saw of them, like they were supposed to meet in a coffee shop, and they didn't. Yeah. So, like, something what happened. happened? What happened yeah. between them? That's another un unanswered question. Yeah, I I have to imagine that Leon is there as, um, you know, reconnaissance, maybe solve the problem if there is a problem. Maybe a recruiter, sort of like White Rose did to Angela. Yeah, but. I also kind of think that, you know, up until now, Elliot has been very protective of his team. And I have to imagine that he probably still thinks of Trenton and Mobley as part of his team. I would have to imagine, but things aren't in his control anymore. Right. That's true. So, yeah. Um, I mean, that kind of seals up the season, right? So, like... Yeah. So do we want to talk about, uh, I know we want to talk about a little bit what, 
let's just kind of talk about our feelings for the season. Um, I think this episode for me, especially, I, I was expecting more, like, I don't know if maybe it would have been different if they had aired back to back. Like, right. Like season, we said last week. Yeah. If this season, or if this episode had aired back to back with last episode, do you think that you would still have a problem with the pacing and the reveals in this episode? Yes, I would. Yeah. Okay. I, I was expecting more. I'm, I'm not unhappy with what we got. Um, I was just expecting more. And honestly, I think we could have been shown more and the ending would still be suspenseful. Yeah. So my biggest problem is that I was expecting to see, like, I wanted to see more move. Like I wanted to see uh, stage two get executed. Like that's what I wanted to see out of this episode. Like I thought everything was building up to this point. They were building Angela up to this point. Like White Rose was building up to this point. You know, Darlene and Cisco were building up to this point. And then we meet Tyrell. Like everything was building up to what seemed like it was going to be this big climax of stage two. Right. I thought they were going to end it sort of like they did with season one where boom, they fire off the payload. Right. Yeah. Um, And maybe that's why they didn't. Maybe they said like, we don't want to get into the the cycle of doing that, but I thought they could have given us more answers about some things. Well, I have to imagine there has to be more to stage two because that seems so simplistic. Yeah. Like they're like stage two, stage two, stage two, and it's overloading some batteries. Yeah, and just burning some paper records. And even though all this stuff has been going on with the Washington Township plant, we know there's something there, but we don't know what it is, and we're not getting right. So that in that out. in that uh, Variety article I mentioned, Sam Esmail does bring up the topic of the plant and says, you know, you will eventually get answers to that, just not right now. So you know, yeah. I'm hoping we see it in season three. Um, yeah. They can't get away without revealing more for too much longer um you know you know the season as a whole was good uh, i, I want to pose a question to you do you think ray's storyline added anything to the season i don't think so in in, in the long run like like I, I at the time i thought maybe he was going to be important like maybe he was going to be this figure that kind of helped elliot figure some stuff out um and then in retrospect, I think that it was just kind of like this closed loop that didn't actually matter. He was like, uh, the phrase I used when I was talking about it to, to someone else was, it's almost like he was just an egg timer for Elliot. Like, oh, Elliot's ready. The oven's been preheated. <laughs> you can pull him out now. You know, you know something like yeah. that. I felt like um, they spent too long with Elliot in quote unquote captivity, right? Um, yeah, they definitely did. I thought so too. They dragged that out maybe an episode, an episode and a half too long. Um, just my opinion. Uh, that could have been handled better. I did like, you know, the the pair. I thought that there was going to be a parallel between Ray and Vera from season one. Right. But like you mentioned, uh, a really good point about Vera, uh, and that was. Um, that Vera was there to show that Elliot's actions have consequences. Yeah. And Ray, 
there was a consequence there and was that Elliot got beat up. <laughs> right? Yeah. But really it didn't do anything. Yeah, there there weren't a lot of consequences, right? So so the the big thing for Vera and the reason that I think Vera in season 1 is a big like is necessary to the plot is that exactly that, you know, you know, Elliot turns him into the cops and the there's a price for that. And Elliot hat like learns that he as as good as he is and as righteous as he is and as much as he believes that what he's doing is right, it's it's perpetuating a cycle of violence and his actions do have consequences. As far as Ray is concerned, I don't think that the, that necessarily reinforces any of that stuff. I think if anything, Ray almost illustrates the pointlessness of what Elliot is going through and, and the pointlessness of what Elliot's uh, arc up until this point has been. Yeah. And yeah, maybe that uh, is the point. The more I think that, I, I mean, the more I think about it, the more I just go, man, I would have loved another episode where Elliot wasn't in the prison. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, because if they would have had another episode where he wasn't in the prison, maybe they could have answered what the hell happened in the three days. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't kill Tyrell. So what happened? Yeah. Yeah. They just get drunk and, you know, have a weekend at Bernie's <laughs> or something like <laughs> they go and party at white Rose's place. Like we don't, that would know. be a sick party. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, tick, just TikTok. glitter everywhere, man. TikTok. Everybody's wearing like Flavor Flav clocks. Exactly. <laughs> Alarms going off everywhere. So yeah. that's kind of that. Like, um, you know, the missing three days is still an issue for me. I I still want to know what happened there. Maybe it doesn't matter so much now that we know that Tyrell's alive, and we just maybe they wanted us to draw in the lines and just say, you know, oh, connect the dots we planned stage two during those three days and then you woke up in my, but if we're supposed to connect the dots, then we need a more complete picture of what stage two is. Right. Like I right? think they wanted us to have, you know, a, a puzzle piece. And what we got was a three-year-old scribbling, like in that time period, <laughs> like I still want to know what happened. there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to know what happened between white Rose and Angela. That is the big one for me. Like, yeah. I want to know what White Rose did with Angela that made Angela all of a sudden, on a dime, be devout in her belief of this mission and right. know what the mission is. Like, what happened there? That to me is like, of everything that's happened. And I, and I think season, that parallels into like, what's in the freaking plant? <laughs> yeah. Why was that guy in a clean suit? Like, yeah. Was that connected to the plant in any How way? That, like, yeah. I don't know. There's there's a lot of questions, and, and if you go online, I'm sure there's more. Like those are the ones that we kind of care about. Um, but yeah, you know, the season was good. It wasn't as good as season one, in my opinion. Like if like season one was a straight ten for me. Yeah, season. One, if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> it's one of the best reviewed TV shows of all time. At one point, every episode in season one had a perfect review on Rotten Tomatoes. Right, because <laughs> like, like no scenes are wasted in that in yeah. that in that season. This one I feel differently about, and maybe that's because of the pacing or or, or whatever. But 
I wonder how much of it is because they knew that they were already renewed for season three. Like I want, I really wonder how much of that is they knew that there was going to be a season three. They knew that they could stretch out some questions and like take some time answering some stuff and building out plot. Like, I wonder how much of our, how much of this stuff is when we get to a conclusion about what stage two is, how much of all this stuff gets backfilled and, and done. It's just that it seems like it's taking them a long time to get there. Yeah. I mean, we could also get a season three that's just an answer every episode. And that would be really cool. Yeah, that'd be but cool. <laughs> it would have been it would have been cooler to have it, you know, a little more spread out. So if I had to give this season uh, a rating to me, it would be like seven and a half to eight and a half, somewhere in that little slider scale. Yeah, I, I think I'd give it an eight, an eight out of ten. Yeah. Um, but last season for sure, ten out of ten. Yeah. Um do you have a do you have a favorite moment uh, from the whole season? Oh man, favorite moment. Um, let me think about that. Uh, do you have a favorite moment? Why don't you tell me, tell me yours, and I'll like let me think about it for a minute. Yeah, so I think my favorite moment would have to be. Whenever we get the those scenes of Elliot as a kid, okay, uh, and you're kind of seeing the you know this is the father that his his father was, and that you know I'm sick and it, it kind of I think those were my favorites from the season and like yo here you can name the store whatever comes to your mind. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> that was a pretty good one actually because yeah. we we even called that I called that out as being like a great cliffhanger. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I'm like, I'm right now I'm going through my notes. Uh, cause <laughs> I, I, hate you, like, I hit you uh, out of the left field with that one. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I don't know. I want to say that like one of my favorite moments, you know, I really liked, this isn't really a moment, but I liked getting to know Cisco before he was, you know, capped. Right. Yeah. But I liked his character. It's uh, it's he feels to me like the Shayla of this season. Right? Yeah, that's that's a re- very good I, way to put it. Yeah, I really liked Shayla. Um, and you know, they both ended up dead, and they were both yeah. great characters. Yeah. Ah, uh, that makes me sad. Um, I, have, I think so. Maybe on favorite moments, um, just because I, I like I love a good villain. Um, I think probably favorite moment would be like any of the season, see any of the scenes where Price is saying like, "I don't care about winning as long as you lose," or yeah, "I want to rain chaos yeah, down." And I want to leave a legacy, the standard of which was set by God. You know, those those to me were good moments that sort of they propped him up as like the Lex Luthor of this show. Freak and egomaniac, narcissistic, you know. And if you know anything about like, uh, if if you get me talking about, about like Superman or like villains or comic books, like one of the things I always say is that Lex Luthor is one of the best villains because he adamantly believes he he stands behind his beliefs. And that's exactly what he believes. It's not coming from a place of, I, I just want to stop this. He seriously believes that. Well, the best person, versions of Lex Luthor. 
Yeah, some of the that's... bad some of the bad versions of Lex Luthor yeah, that's are true. pretty freaking terrible. That, yeah, that's true. That's true. The the best versions of Lex Luthor are when he is like devout in his belief that Superman is a threat to humanity and that Superman's very existence demeans what it means to be human. Like those are the best stories for Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor is a Superman in the current run of Superman. Oh yes. really? Dang it! Powers. I'm like so like I haven't read any of the new ones. Well, um, that's a gist of it. I'm not going to ruin it for you. But there's yeah. more going on than that. So I, I think that's kind of uninterested. Like those were good moments for me, just to like kind of to kind of give a face to the evil of the show. Yeah. To me, from a story perspective, is good. Did, um, uh, did you have a favorite song from the season? Oh man. Um, Oh man. Uh so probably Angela's karaoke is pretty good. Um Everybody wants to rule the world. Yeah, that one was pretty good. Also kind of like a microcosm like a microcosm for the entire show. Yeah. It's like a song. Um uh, probably the other one was when she was like planning the femtocell. That song was really good. The um, let me find it in my notes because I forgot. My memory is turning to shit. Um, uh, oh, I can't remember. the The song that plays there is really good. Yeah. Um, what about you? What was your favorite song from the from the season? Uh, the chromatics cover of Into the Black. Okay, all right. That that was playing whenever like um, Darlene and Cisco met on the street and then went into that restaurant and ended up doing it in the bathroom or whatever. But like that song is perfect, yeah. and um, it it's such a good song. Like that, it's better to burn out than to fade away. Um, and like you realize how close to both of those characters are too you know, being killed or whatever. And they've used that song has showed up on several shows that I like. I think the most recent obviously is Mr. Robot. And it was also in uh, sons of anarchy and it shows up like right before something really tragic is about to happen. And uh, yeah. it's, it's a great cover of the song too. So uh, that's been on my Spotify playlist. I've been listening to that. Definitely worth it. Um it was just I don't know the, like the way that it was set was was perfect and yeah I I think uh so I think we have enough uh, as long as we're doing favorites what was your favorite episode oh the nineties throwback the nineties throwback that's, that's, okay all right um so I really like the nineties throwback episode but I think my favorite one is the one where Cisco dies I think that episode from the way it was shot to the pacing to the tone of the entire episode to the music getting more and more tense as the episode went on and just sort of playing into like the adding tension up until like the release of Cisco getting shot. Yeah. Um, well, there was another episode was where they did that. The one right before shot. that where Trenton and Mobley were like, they felt like they were being followed and they had like the paranoid music going the whole time. Right. Yeah. That was, uh, you know, really good. Um, the other interesting thing is, is like, we wanted to call out like, you know, Phil Collins, that take me home song from the second episode where it's about a guy that's in a mental hospital, <laughs> you know, yeah. how close to reality. And they just, they just threw it right out there again. 
we have to assume that they wanted you um they wanted you to pick that up right yeah, I, I think they really want in this show, they really want to set up your expectations and then just play into what you're expecting. Um, I think they do a really good job of that. And all of the all of the sort of plot twists are they're not huge reveal plot twists that like um that dramatically affect what you're already thinking about the plot of the story, right. you know. Was uh was that song you were thinking of? Was that Guan by the Suffers? That is, that was it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah that was it. Uh yeah, it's really, really good. Um, so I guess we've kind of covered this already, but what we're hoping for next season, let's just kind of cover it real fast. Um, I know we're kind of running a little bit low on time. I want to see a complete plan for stage two, and I want to see what that is, and I want to see that in the, in the first few episodes of next season. Yeah, I want to see stage two run in the first episode. Yeah. I want to see it run right away. Obviously, Elliot's going to be back in some, like, hospital or something, right? Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't. I would be okay with just fast forwarding to Elliot's better. We destroyed this building. I would actually be okay with that too. It, this because, is one of the because if they're the gonna fast instances forward and jump it, yeah, if they're gonna jump it, they could also have Darlene be an FBI agent now, right? Yeah, or at least an informant. Like they probably wouldn't make her agent. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to know what's in the goddamn plant. And yeah. I don't know what foolery White Rose did to Angela to hypnotize her or whatever. Yeah, I, I think that has to be in the first episode. It, it, I really would hope. Um, um, like, I think that has to be in the first episode, even beyond like seeing stage like if that were in the first episode and then they kicked off stage two in the first episode, but we didn't get to see like everything. Right. That would be the perfect first episode of season three for me. Well, and then the other thing is, is too, is like, was Angela kept safe because they need her to help Elliot recover? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. So those are the kind of things. Uh, I really hope Dom is still present in season three. Um, she's a favorite character of mine. She's become a favorite. I, I think she's in for the long haul. Like she's kind of set up as the, as Elliot's foil at this point. So yeah. well, she's, she's got to okay be with that. And I, like I said before, I'd be totally okay with her switching sides. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, she's got to stick around. All right. Uh, I think that's going to wrap us up for uh, this episode. Uh, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we're going to be off until season three starts, but in the meantime, if you like what we're doing with Bonsoir Elliot, uh, then stay tuned for an announcement. Uh, about an upcoming podcast that we're that we're going to do that's based around The Expanse. It's a sci-fi channel show uh, that follows The Expanse series of novels, uh, the first of which is Leviathan Wakes. Um, we're expecting to put out a trailer for that show, which we'll post to the feed for this show uh, in the next few weeks, followed by the first episode shortly thereafter. We're going to do all of season one, uh, not just a recap. We're going to do the whole, whole of season one before season two kicks off. Um, so if you like what we're doing with this show, uh, stick around for that. Um, Josh, do you have anything to add there? What I'm saying? Yeah. So if you've never heard about the expanse, um, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, it's sci-fi done, right? It's not one of those goofy sharknado kind of series. Um, it's a really good, like, I guess space opera is kind of the term. Um, but it's more serious. So like if you liked, some aspects of Firefly and, and Battlestar Galactica, 
um, and you like kind of a detective noir style story from some aspects, it's worth checking out. Uh, yeah. If if you want to, you know, rip through that, you can do it in a solid day if you've got yeah. ten hours to spare. Yeah, um, and then the book series are great. I've been reading them since 2010, uh, 2011, somewhere in there, whenever the first book came out. Um, and they're great. Um, they're big, thick books, uh, but they're totally worth it. It's yeah. really good sci-fi. The uh, the authors are uh, James S.A. Corey, and it's actually two people working under one name. And they were the some of the original editors for uh, the Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones series of books. So they've got pedigree, and they're written really well. Yeah. Um, I'm reading Leviathan Wakes, which is the first one right now. Uh, so we're, we haven't decided on a format for the show, uh, which is why we're not making a formal announcement. We'll be making an announcement a little bit later. But you should definitely check that out if you like what we've been doing with, Ms. with uh, Bonsoir Elliott because um, it's going to be along, the same, along similar lines of recapping every episode and discussing them. Um, it might have a little bit of a different format. But, uh, yeah. So thanks again for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at BonsoirCast. Uh, you can find me at Alex Chinoy. And I'm at The Cult of Chaos. Yeah, and you can subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks for listening. Bonsoir. Bonsoir. Mr. Robot!